Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events behind the scenes footage and so much more plus you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon it's in you please be in it visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now that's podcast with an s thanks from kqed From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Michael Krasny. The Oakland Zoo, which has been closed to visitors since mid-March, may need to shutter permanently if county officials don't allow it to reopen soon. Coming up, we'll talk to CEO Joe Parrott about the zoo's future and how it and other zoos statewide are keeping animals fed and operations afloat. Then at 10.30, nationwide drug overdose deaths are spiking, and we'll discuss the growing concern over this epidemic within the pandemic and what can be done to address it. That's next after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Michael Krasny. The Oakland Zoo announced last week that it may have to shut down permanently unless it's allowed to open its doors to visitors soon. The zoo, which has remained closed since mid-March owing to COVID concerns, is spending $2.5 million a month to care for the animals and maintain the facility, and it's quickly burning through its reserves. In this segment, we're going to talk about the future of the Oakland Zoo and how it and other zoos across the state are coping with the pandemic. And joining us is Dr. Joel Parrott, President and CEO of the Oakland Zoo, and welcome back to Forum. Joel, good to have you with us. Thank you. It's good to be back. I guess the place I'd like to begin with you is, uh, why do you have to close down? San Diego's open and uh, Sacramento's open. What kind of rules or laws are you having to abide by? Well, you know, the big difference is that this, once the state uh, approves the county for a variance, and it's county by county, each county gets its variance approval from the state, then they can make the call. So San Diego County clearly you know, sign, uh, got their attestation from the uh, state and allowed uh, uh, San Diego Zoo to open, which they are same way with San, uh, Sacramento, Fresno. Uh, essentially, every other zoo in the uh, state has been approved. Uh, San Francisco was approved, but then the mayor uh, put that on pause. But the main thing is it, was, it got its approval from the county health. Uh, our Alameda County Health Department uh, has not signed off on the zoo and achieved its variance from the state. Well, Oakland and I guess San Francisco both are asking county health officials to what, recategorize the operations as an outdoor museum? Well, that's what we've we've tried, but uh, the direction we've now gotten is just to uh, go ahead and apply. The county needs to apply to the state for their attestation. San Francisco has that, and so we have two different uh, county health departments, and so it's Alameda County that is uh, overseeing the uh, Oakland Zoo. Well, it would presumably, if you, I hope you don't shut down, but if you shut down, it would be under the control of Oakland, right? 
Yeah, you know what actually happens is the structure right now is we're run by the Conservation Society of California, so that's a nonprofit organization that manages the zoo. Uh, if the, the, there's no more federal funding like PPP uh, program, if the, the county certainly doesn't have the money, the city doesn't have the money because of the crisis we're going through. So if it's just left to our reserves and we cannot open, then we are going to deplete the reserves. We will run out of money. You know, and at that point, what happens is we don't close the zoo. We turn the uh, city owns the facility, so it'd be turned back over to the city for them to manage or address the problem. It must be kind of maddening, though, when you see people walking around malls or, you know, I know you want to be classified as an outdoor museum and be like a regional park or a botanical garden, that kind of thing. But the fact of the matter is... Uh, there's all this inability to move in that way, even though I believe, don't you sort of have a plan in the works that would involve masks and social distancing and a cap on about 2,500 people? Yeah, uh, that's a good point. And so what our approach is, is that we can uh, not only make the zoo safe, we can make it a, a healthier environment for people to be so that they can get out and get into the fresh air. So, you know, science, and this is all science-based, the science has said that, you know, contaminated surfaces is not actually, even though virus can stay on surfaces for 24 hours, that's really not where transmission is occurring. It's, it's, uh, transmission is occurring indoors with a group for a long period of time. So any of those combinations. The experience at the Oakland Zoo would be outdoors with your nuclear family group, and you would only briefly pass. There's not enough time uh, to transmit. On top of that, if you add masks and social distancing, and we dis uh, disinfect throughout the day, and we provide hand sanitizers, it's a safe environment. And all of a sudden, you've got a better situation for people to be healthy in a very stressful time. Talking with Dr. Joel Parrott, he's president and CEO of the Oakland Zoo, and uh, this hemorrhaging of money without any ticket revenue coming in means, uh, you know, you have to care and feed for these animals. And uh, the fact of the matter is, uh, there's a whole article in the New Yorker magazine about this, how it's becoming increasingly more difficult and devastating to simply do what needs to be done. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about what I, what I read from that article and what I know is going on at the Oakland Zoo. There were seven uh, bison calves that were born during the lockdown, they're going to be sent, I know, to Montana for care from the uh, Blackfeet Nation. Yeah. Uh, but you have all of these, uh, for example, there's a, there's a zoo up in Calgary where they uh, can't feed the pandas because they need 88 pounds of, uh, of fresh bamboo a day. Uh, they, they can't get the food supply. And the, there's a, a zoo in Germany which is talking about heaven forfend, uh, you know, having to look at other animals that can be eaten by the animals that are going to need to eat to survive. And this is really... Nothing short of catastrophe, isn't it? Well, it, it certainly can be. And so, you know, over half the zoos across the country have now reopened. You know, but, it, but everybody's in the same dire straits. You know, the, the zoos, because we have responsibility for the welfare, the health of the uh, animal collection that's here, they're just totally our responsibility. And so it, it carries with it a big overhead. And our overhead... You know, you mentioned 2.5 million. That's actually when we're uh, fully up and running. Uh, we're right now. Our situation is we have about. Uh, it costs about a million dollars per month to manage the zoo in a scaled-back uh, pandemic uh, operation that we're in. And of the million a month, you know, we have about 3. Point, and by the end of this month, we'll have 3.2 million dollars 
uh, in reserves, you know, plus whatever we can raise. And so that's, you know, you just have to look at the numbers and see what the, the problem that's going to have coming down the pike when all we're doing is living off reserves. Were you helped at all by that interactive platform that you launched back in April? Uh, you know, it, it, it was it raised probably about uh, $40,000 for us, but uh, it was really at that time our way to stay in touch with our our uh, supporters and the people who have so much passion for the zoo that we could stay in touch with them, they could stay in touch with us. And from that standpoint, it was great. But as a financial uh, source to solve our problem, uh, it wasn't uh, going to be enough to do that. Well, your zoo has always been, and a lot of uh, plaudits for this, uh, very active and, and proactive in uh, establishing uh, programs uh, to help wildlife and to certainly be pro proactive where the environment is concerned, particularly plastics. Uh, are those continuing? Are those able to be financed continuing? Uh, yeah, we're still doing our uh, Just Say No to Plastic campaign, and we're going to keep that uh, well into probably the next year as far as you know, when the visiting public comes, because we have great uh, washed-ashore plastic sculptures that's still at the zoo. We want people to, you know, that's our mission is, in the end, uh, it's not really just to run a business. Uh, it's it's to get the, the mission is to uh, communicate to the public the environmental challenges, the habitat destruction affecting wildlife, the plastics affecting wildlife, all those th programs that are really going to be continuing, especially once we get back up and running. Well, are you concerned about the closure of the Oakland Zoo, or do you want to comment on the status of zoos wherever you may be listening to us and the concerns you might have, particularly in this pandemic? We do want to hear from you. We want to hear not only your questions, but your thoughts and comments. And you can join us at our toll-free number. The number to call right now is a half-hour segment, so please feel free to join us now at 866-733-6786. The number again for your phone calls is 866 733-6786 or get in touch with us on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email us, forum at kqed.org. In fact, Julia wants to know, is there a way the public can advocate for opening the Oakland Zoo? Joel? Uh, there is. Uh, base, <laughs> send an email off to the Alameda County Public Health Department. And uh, base, uh, you know, you can actually contact the zoo. We'll help you with that. But making the contact, encourage them to see the zoo as a, health, a healthier environment than, you know, being closed and not accessible to the public. And do, to get that as soon as possible. Uh, but that's the one to that's the place we have to focus on to for advocacy so that it moves from the county applies for the variance from the state and then we can all get going again. What are you hearing from the county officials? Uh, we're, we have tremendous support from the Alameda County Board of Supervisors. Uh, but, you know, it, that's that's the political wing of and, and not the administrative part of the health department. Uh, they are advocating for us, but it really comes down to the uh, application process to the state, and the state is ready to uh, approve that, by the way, uh, a variance to allow the zoo to open. They just have to uh, go through that process, and it's really at the health department level. Could I also ask you, I alluded to uh, an article in The New Yorker. There are actually a couple of them, and uh, in one of them they talk about the reactions of the animals to the pandemic, particularly not to being stimulated by seeing people. And uh, different animals uh, have different responses to that or lack of responses to it. For example, chimpanzees seem to be bothered by it in the article I read, but uh, giraffes don't seem to mind at all. Uh, and yet 
I don't know. Can you give us a breakdown of what you've observed along those lines? I know, for example, that one zoo in uh, uh, actually took penguins to um, this is a Kansas City Zoo, took penguins to a museum to give them. <laughs> I, no, that's for real. And, yeah, and they yeah. were saying that they were more interested in the Cavagios than the Monets. I, I find that fascinating. But uh, some thoughts about different animal responses to just not having that human contact? Well, you know, it, it's different. You know, it's, if you take something like the bald eagle exhibit where and when the public's there, they tend to hold back. Without the public there, they're using their entire exhibit. So they they feel a little bit more comfortable by being able to, uh, uh, not, you know, not have the public. But if you get into the primates or the grizzly bears, you know, they're very – they're so intelligent. They're very aware of visitors on the pathways. And there was actually a study done – Oh, a dozen years ago that uh, talked about how chimpanzees uh, have more uh, uh, intra, intra uh, group aggression when the public's not there. But when the public's there, they get distracted by what's going on in the past. They perform, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, so the aggression goes down amongst themselves, you know. So each one's a little bit different, and uh, but uh, what we try to do uh, for most of them is that to keep them somewhat oblivious to it anyway, by providing them a lot of enrichment items for them to do throughout the day and give them a reason to get out of bed. And here's a caller joining us from Piedmont. Susie, you're on the air. Good morning. Hi, I'm a big fan of the zoo, and last night I saw on Nextdoor that you need food for the animals, and I was going to harvest huge amounts of plums today, but I don't know where to bring them. Yeah, you know, we're actually not asking for produce because we're always afraid of uh, what we may get and when we actually give it to the animals. But uh, okay. so, you know, the, the support for the zoo right now is to really just support our animal care fund, uh, if you'd be motivated to do that, so that we can channel it to both feeding and staffing for the animals themselves. I do want everybody to be very confident that uh, even if we had to go on a volunteer basis, we're going to make sure we take care of the animals. Let me thank Susie for her call, and let me bring up... Uh... Well, a question really from a listener named Linda. In a broad sense, it has to do with safety. She writes, I'm an Oakland Zoo member and I want to see it succeed, but I don't think the zoo should reopen given the number of coronavirus cases in Alameda. You cannot safely account for more than a very small amount of people. One direct question, what do you plan to do about the need for restrooms? Ventilation is not optimal in most of the restrooms. Uh, bathrooms, soap dispensers, and water for faucets still require touch, and children who are not able to be as careful are a large portion of your visitors. Yes, well, that's why part of the program is that we'll have disinfection going on throughout the day. And so our biggest way to control it is to limit the number of visitors and that, uh, where we have advanced ticket sales only so we can really control and m make sure we're at a number of visitors that we can manage. And then beyond that, uh, do constant disinfection of surfaces throughout the day. And, again, and you're limiting 2,500, right, in terms yeah, of the plan you uh, have? Yeah, normally we would be up to 7,000 attendants uh, on a single day on a weekend, but uh, we're limiting it down to about 2,500. And here's John from San Francisco. John, welcome. You're on the air. Thank you. Michael, I'm a huge fan. I've been listening for over 30 years, and I'm very, very grateful for what you do. The reason that I called is because I'm motivated by the $1 million a month story for the zoos. I am not a big fan of zoos. Uh, I was at the Berlin Zoo and watching a cheetah go back and forth. And when I was a kid, seeing a bear performing, it just bro it breaks my heart. So I, I think that um, zoos sh should be 
I just think they should be abolished. But I'm wondering about the, commun- the camaraderie and the communion with animals and how important it is for children and for anyone to understand the importance of animals and preserving the environment that they enjoy long before we came around. So why can't there be something like that marvelous uh, ride at Disneyland where you're in that little cart and then the screen is really making you feel like you're having a deep submersive experience. For example, here we are with the tuna or here we are with the um, zebras and the savannah. To me, that would be so much more delightful. Zoos to me feel old-fashioned beyond the payphone. So not only is it abusive to animals, but there are so many other sexy, fun, delicious alternatives that you're now seeing come to life in museums. Why do we have animals in cages and then pretend that children absolutely must have them? To uh, John, I'm sorry. Uh, let me, I think we get the gist of what you're asking, Joel. Let me go to you, Joel. Yeah, well, you know, that, that uh, I can't speak for all zoos. I'm only going to speak for the Oakland Zoo. But, you know, shame on us if we can't provide a quality home for wildlife. Uh, and give the, not only them a home. In the case of our four grizzly bears were rescued as orphans from Alaska who would have otherwise been euthanized. If we can't provide them a quality of life, you know, again, then shame on us. Because uh, I'll tell you a quick story. I was up at uh, the Upper California Trail area. Uh, a teacher came to me and said, you know, uh, this is a great view of the San Francisco Bay. And San Francisco was the first. She was from West Oakland with her class. It was the first time. Four of her kids had ever seen San Francisco. And I asked myself, how many of these kids have ever seen a grizzly bear? How are they ever going to get an, an understanding that they're, they're living beings? And what are we going to do for responsibility for the environment going forward? So, you know, there's, there is a role for zoos, but they have to be very careful because you have to be able to provide for them, and give them enrichment and give them plenty of space so that they can basically have natural behaviors going forward. Well, here's a comment natural from... Natural behaviors in a cage? I mean, that's crazy business. It's not a very good cage if they're in a cage. Yeah, let me thank you for your call, Robert. I want to get to some more listener responses. Christy writes, I think the Oakland Zoo will be the perfect outdoor venue for family visits, getting people outside in a safe way, and it's educational. Close the food venues and the few indoor exhibits. Clean the bathrooms frequently. The zoo will be much safer than outdoor dining at restaurants, in my opinion. Alameda County, open the zoo. We can't afford to lose this community gem. And Tim says, my wife and I are members and hope the zoo reopens soon. What will the experience be like when it does? Will the gondola operate, the train? Will zookeepers make presentations? Yeah, yes. Uh, when we reopen uh, initially, uh, the rides area will be closed. The play areas, the high contact areas, the children's play areas will be closed. The gondola will be open and disinfected throughout the day because that's what gets you up at the California Trail with a view of the San Francisco Bay. The restaurant will be open when they let other restaurants open in our community. Uh, and But we do expect we'll probably be able to do curbside uh, food you know, right out of our own restaurants when it opens. But that that uh, that's generally the general plan. And then, again, advanced ticket sales to limit the crowd. Again, we're talking with Joel Parrott, who is president and CEO of the Oakland Zoo, and Wanda from Oakland joins us. Wanda, welcome. Good morning. I just donated part of my stimulus check to the zoo. I tried to call. It's hard to get through on the regular line. But can he tell us more about memberships? and how we can pitch in more than memberships and about are they do they have people out seeking donations from 
the Zuckerbergs of the world. When, doesn't Zuckerberg Zoo sound good? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you, we, we do. We, I appreciate your your offer. Uh, the the membership program, you know, that that has been declining simply because people can't come out, uh, and we're relying really on just um, uh, renewals. So joining and becoming a member is a huge way to support. Uh, you can do that on our website, and you can also uh, go to the Animal Care Fund on our website to make uh, financial uh, con- contributions to just to get us through this period. But um, So I appreciate your uh, question on that. And a, qu- a quick clarification, uh, Joel, uh, on the reopening process. The Alameda County Health Department has requested the outdoor museum designation for the, ju- for the zoo, but we're now waiting for the state to make a final decision. Is that the right characterization of where we are? Yeah, no, actually, they put out, there are three stages we're talking about, and so in the second stage was outdoor museums, and the third stage was explicitly zoos. And so uh, uh, the applying, we don't need to apply for a, a variance if they just classify us as an outdoor museum. Uh, so right now it looks like, because zoo is explicitly mentioned as stage three, the county must apply to the state for a variance and receive that. What do you think is the timeline here at this point? I mean, in terms of how long are you, how long can you last, really? Well, again, you know, if, if by the end of the month we'll, we'll be down to about $3.2 million and we're burning about a million dollars a month, that's, that's the trajectory we're on. And so the PPP program uh, helped us, you know, it all started April 1st for us. And then uh, it's carried us this far, but now July 1st, we're out of that money. And we have to, uh, and now it's just a matter of declining reserves. And that's about the time frame where we have to work with. And you're getting support, though, a lot from the community, I presume. Yes. You know, we've we've received over 3,000 individual donations of varying amounts. And so, you know, that, that that's a heartwarming uh, uh, uh evidence about how much how important the zoo is to the community and how important the community is to us and when you talk about the relationship that the zoo has had with the community is it distinct in some ways from what you know of other zoos in other cities you know i i think it is i think you know because uh, the san francisco bay area is such a progressive community you know it's very environmentally aware uh, and so they, uh, when they visit and they get to see animals in wild, wide open settings, you know, so they are not cages. They basically get to see wildlife. They, they understand, and I think because we t- we're one of the most progressive zoos in the country, uh, that's where we are in very much uh, in sync with our community and our community is with the zoo. And so it results in a great opportunity to see wildlife people and certainly children would not normally get to see but you need the ticket re- ticket revenue or you simply can't go on it's almost that simple isn't it yeah it really is you know uh, the vast majority of our revenues uh, that we bring into the zoo to pay our expenses is coming from uh, just visitors coming and not only getting through admission you know we have a little rides area concession we have uh, education programs that uh, and people have a fee for, like summer camps and things like that. So we have uh, we have a, a restaurant concession. Those are the d- different ways that it all works together to have a very low uh, support from the public sector. Well, we've only got seconds left, and certainly I hope you can see it through, Joel. But uh, it would mean a great loss to the community. It would, uh, can you also talk just briefly about what the fate of, to the animals would be? 
You know, again, in our case, management would go over to the city of Oakland. But beyond that, uh, they would just be, have to be. Uh, we, they, the city would have to find homes for them in zoos across the country. On that note, I wish you the best of luck, Joel. Good to Thank have you. Thank you very us. much. That's Joel Parrott, Dr. Joel Parrott, President and CEO of the Oakland Zoo. Another segment of Forum is up ahead. Stay tuned for that. We're going to talk about the opioid crisis. It's the epidemic within the pandemic. And I'm Michael Krasny. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.